Hello and welcome to episode number 142 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, have a few things to talk about. It was just prime day, so it's a prime time to rip on Amazon a little bit for the way they handle complaints when a delivery maybe doesn't show up. We'll be talking a little bit about what President Joe Biden is going to be saying tonight. Yeah, we're putting on our Karnak hat and going to predict what good old Uncle Joe is going to say. And we'll be talking a little bit about how Major League Baseball is finally starting to roll in some of the stats from the Negro Leagues into the official record book of baseball and why that is a very good thing. But yeah, it was prime day for the last couple of days. I mean, I don't know. It's the way Amazon does things. Prime day happens for at least two days, but that is what we do in the United States. We take a holiday and we extend it for as many days as we possibly can. Even better if you can get off of work and blow stuff up. That's what we do in America. But Amazon, I found, does not have a very good system in place for the event that happened to a package that was supposed to be at my parents' house yesterday. It was nothing big. I mean, it was kind of big, but it wasn't expensive. It was just some protein drinks that my mom needs to drink and vitamins for my dad. Just your usual, you know, one a day type thing. Of course, they always run out of the stuff before they're like, oh, we need to order these. And then we order them for them. We get them to them because Amazon's usually pretty quick. And for whatever reason, lately, the men's vitamins have been harder to find. You know, they're like, well, we went to Walgreens. They didn't have them. They went to Jewel. They didn't have them. So, uh, you know, you find this stuff online and it would be good to order enough. But in this case, what happened was the package which had to be fairly large because there's, you know, a dozen or so of these protein drinks, which are the size, of, you know, a can of soda or whatever, close to that. But a dozen of those, along with a bottle of vitamins. And they were out at the doctor's office yesterday. And I saw because Amazon tells you when stuff gets delivered. So after I knew they were home, I call them up and say, well, you know, you got a package on the front porch. And my mom goes to the front porch like, well, there's no package on the front porch. And I went to look. And in this case, it was UPS, not Amazon, that was delivering. And I will say the one good thing about the Amazon delivery system with their own delivery people is that they provide a photograph of where they left the package. So that way the drivers cannot be accused of, well, you didn't actually deliver it. Maybe you delivered it to the wrong house. There's no question with the picture that it was left where it was supposed to be left. Well, UPS doesn't do that because UPS is UPS. And I will say we've had experiences with UPS over the last year or so where we have had other people's packages 
the uh, people across the street, their package was left on our, our doorstep. We've had another package left on our doorstep about a year or so ago for somebody in the next street over. And I'm sure the uh, same thing happens in the other direction. My parents the same way. They've had a couple of times where the neighbors brought over the package and said, yeah, this was left on my doorstep. Now, my brother-in-law has been a delivery driver for UPS for a long time, so I don't really want to blast them too much. But obviously, these people are idiots and they don't know how to verify that they're leaving the package at the right address. You would think in this day and age of GPS that this would be a rarity to have the package delivered to the wrong address. You know, in the driver's defense, I know they are rated on how quickly they deliver packages. The Amazon drivers are also rated this way in that we've had stories over the last few months where Amazon delivery drivers were complaining that they had to pee in bottles and all that kind of good stuff in order to be able to stay on the pace that Amazon wanted them to be at. I'm sure UPS is no different, so the drivers are under some pressure to do things quickly. But the system for what happens when things get delivered to the wrong address are hilarious. Because when I saw that, that said it was delivered, and my mom said, well, it's not there. And I'm like, well, just make sure. Go outside. Make sure it's not, you know, behind the big goose that they have on their front doorstep, you know, the big concrete goose that's dressed up in different outfits for different times of different seasons, which I find just hilarious. The uh, make sure it's not, you know, by the driveway, make sure I've every now and then, you know, a UPS driver will just leave something by your garage door for some reason rather than the front door. And it's like, just make sure that it doesn't exist anywhere out front. And then I'll figure out what needs to be done. So, okay, we figured out the package was definitely not there. So I go to Amazon system figuring there's got to be an automated way to tell them UPS says the package was delivered, which now at this point, the Amazon system was showing that the package was delivered. There has to be an automated way to be like, nope, package isn't here. And there's really not. You go in, it's like, well, they're asking you to return. It's like, well, I'm not looking to return or replace. There's no thing that says it didn't show up. So I dig a little bit deeper and I go into the Amazon system, into the help menu, going down, drilling down, and finally find what you need to click. And the Amazon answer was, well, too soon, too soon. You need to give us at least 48 more hours because the package might still show up. I mean, we know it says delivered, but you need to give us 48 more hours because, you know, it might magically show up. And I'm not quite sure how that works. I mean, I know how it works, but the reality is this was UPS saying a package was delivered. So it's like, well, Amazon, I mean, the sooner you can investigate this the sooner you can get a message to ups the sooner they could go to their driver like uh this address no package any idea what you might have done well amazon then tells you after complaining to them we can't do anything for 48 hours but you can go open up a claim 
with the shipper in this case. The shipper, as I said, was United Parcel Service. So I figure, all right, let me go over to UPS. I have a UPS account. I log into my UPS account. I put the tracking number in. Boom, there is a thing right there that says proof of delivery. I click that, and according to them, it was delivered to the right town at the right time in the afternoon when Amazon said it was delivered. And there was a button then that said, file a claim. That's where the hilarity starts because one of the options you're given was, why? Why are you filing this claim? And two of the answers were the package never showed up or the package was delivered to the wrong address. Well, how would I know it was delivered to the wrong address? I mean, I'm guessing that's what happened. But the reality, if you don't have a camera on your door, which a lot of people do, I mean, at least if you have a camera, then you can tell if UPS actually delivered and somebody porch pirated you and stole it. But it's like, I don't know. It's one of those. The package isn't here. I mean, that would just be a simple enough uh, thing that you can put down. And okay, so I clicked, you know, package no showy uppy, whatever it was. And the next thing that comes up is enter the shipper contact name and contact phone number. So I'm like, okay, contact name, Amazon. I mean, Joe Amazon, I don't know, Mr. Amazon, whatever. But for phone number, I just tried putting in none. And it's like, no invalid phone number. I tried putting in a fake phone number like 9999999. No, that's not a valid phone number. So I figured I'd have some fun. And I went to the Amazon help chat thing online. And I'm like, okay, got a guy named Perdeep, I think his name was. And I'm like, okay, here's what's going on. Your people over on Twitter, which is where I started with this, told me that they can't do anything for 40 hours, but I should go over to UPS. Now, UPS, the first thing they're asking for is a contact phone number for the shipper. So that's what I need. And he was very polite, but said, I I don't have that. I can't give you a number. And I'm like, wait, so your system is to tell me you can't do anything for 48 hours. Send me to UPS to file a claim with them. And the first thing they ask for is information that you will not give me. And that was pretty much it. That was about the help that I could get from the guy on the chat. While I was on the chat with him, I'm still tweeting at people. And I'm using a lot of profanities and stuff, not directly to them, but just to let Amazon know I wasn't really feeling in a prime mood on prime day. And I said to them, I'm like, well, I need to open up the claim with UPS. I need a phone number for Amazon. And to be fair, they pointed me in the right direction, but they could have just given me the 800 number. But they gave me the answer, which was, well, you know, go to Amazon. Don't be logged in, because if you're logged in, then we know you're a customer. Go over to the Amazon website. Don't be logged in. Go to the help and then say, I don't have an account, but I still need help. And then it will show you a magical phone number, which in case you're ever in this particular situation, that would be 800-388-5512 outside the U.S. or Canada area code 206-577-1364. I mean, thanks, Amazon for making that nearly impossible to find. 
So I started the claim process in UPS and that sucked because then they want more information. They want invoices and all this. It's like, it's $18 worth of stuff, man. You deal with Amazon all the time. There should be an easier system. On the bright side, what ended up happening was sometime after 11 p.m. last night and before 8 a.m. this morning. So sometime literally in the dead of night, one of my parents' neighbors must have brought the box now open to their doorstep and left it, of course, right in front where they couldn't even really open the screen door. But at least it was returned. Somebody got it, wrong address, opened it up, and uh, probably not nefariously. I mean, I get Amazon boxes or other boxes all the time. I don't really look specifically at the small print on the label to verify it should be at my doorstep before opening it. Although I guess maybe that's not a bad idea because you never know what's going to be in there. And once they saw it, it was just a bunch of crummy protein drinks and uh, mail over 50 vitamins. I mean, they're probably like, oh, this is nothing good. I mean, if it was filled with, you know, gold bars or some uh, iPads or something like that, I don't know if that would have gotten to my parents' doorstep in the dead of night. But I'm not very happy with either UPS or Amazon. And to be fair, I have a niece, a goddaughter that works for Amazon. So, I mean, we can blast in everybody's company in the family here. The, uh, the way they handled this, not great. The whole concept of wait 48 hours before we can do anything, not great. Depending on what the items are, when you order from Amazon or anywhere and you're like, well, I'm getting guaranteed delivery on Wednesday. Well, a lot of times you need that on Wednesday or Thursday. And then they're going, well, we can't help you for at least two days. Then it's going to take at least two or three days to get another one to you. Not a great system. I mean, I know they couldn't make the thing magically appear. But when UPS says it was delivered, it's not going to magically show up via any official means. You are now relying upon the honesty of your neighbors to return the package to you. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know who got this package or who left it, but I thank them for actually returning the items. And again, it was probably because it was uh, some protein drinks and some uh, vitamins. Not exactly exciting stuff. Nonetheless, at least it got returned. And I'm sure my wife thought I was going to blow a blood vessel or something when uh, complaining about this yesterday and going through. She's like, why would you even go? Just wait the 48 hours. Why are you? De- why are you dealing with the Amazon people on Twitter? Why are you going in? Why would you go into a chat? It's like, do you not understand? I do a podcast. I record tomorrow. This is great content. And uh, I mean, OK, maybe it's not great content, but it's content nonetheless. And it's something I hope can help you if you ever have to deal with this situation with Amazon to know what you're up against and act accordingly. But on a little bit more important news, the president, Joe Biden, is going to be speaking tonight and he is going to be addressing the violence problem that we have in the United States because even the liberal media is starting to pick up on the violence problem the murder problem that we have in the United States. And it's going to be interesting to see how Joe frames all of this, because right now in the United States, the uh, murder rates are up 
pretty much across the board in uh, Portland, Oregon, for instance, since uh, last year, same time, up 800 percent, 800 percent increase in murder rate. Los Angeles, California, up 95 percent. San Francisco, up 100 percent this May from last May. New York shooting incidents are up 73% from last year. Baltimore, 57 murders in the last 50 days. I mean, they're going after Chicago kind of numbers. Seattle homicides are at their highest point that they have been in the last 26 years. So what is the problem? Joe Biden, we're putting on the Karnak hat is going to tell you guns are the problem. Not criminals are the problem, but guns are the problem in the United States. We're going to ignore the fact that the areas with the highest gun crimes are the Democrat-run cities like Chicago, New York, California. Well, that's not a city, I understand. But these are where the gun laws are some of the toughest in the nation But yet the problem rolls on. Now, so you look at gun crimes as opposed to the states that have the highest percentage of gun ownership. And it's interesting. And I get it. There is a difference in the amount of people in these areas. And that has to be taken into account. I understand that. So for all you math people, all you stats people out there, I get that. But I think these are interesting numbers nonetheless, which are the states that have the highest percentage of people who own guns would be Montana and Wyoming are number one and number two. Now, those two states in 2019, which was the last stats I could find that were total and verified and all that. But in 2019, Montana had 27 murders slash manslaughter cases, and Wyoming had 13 murder slash manslaughter cases. So between those two states together, which they have the highest percentage of gun ownership, there was like 66% of the people in those states own guns. That's a total of 40 murder manslaughter cases between those two states. We go look at the bottom then let's go look what the states that have the least amount of citizens that legally own guns because i mean here's the other thing with stats you only know who legally possesses a gun if somebody illegally has a gun then you're not gonna know because they're not telling you and they didn't get the gun legally but massachusetts 50th on that list the least amount of gun owners per capita And they had in 2019, 152 murder slash manslaughter cases. New Jersey was 49th on the list, 262 murders and manslaughters. New York, 46th, 558 murders and manslaughters. Illinois, 44th on the list for people that percentage owning guns, 832 murder and manslaughter cases in 2019. Again, Montana and Wyoming combined. 40. And California, the big winner here, while they're 43rd on the list as far as percentage that legally own a gun, 1,690 murder manslaughter cases in 2019. 
But Joe is going to tell you that guns are the problem, not criminals, not the criminal justice system, not letting people walk and not holding them accountable for their crimes. It's the gun that Joe Biden is going to tell you is the problem. And something has to be done, Joe's going to say. He's going to ignore the fact that Chicago has some of the toughest gun control laws on the books and they're not working because laws never work if you don't enforce. Any idiot, even Joe, with his brain in a mush state, should understand that if you do not enforce a law, if there are no penalties for breaking the law, people are going to continue breaking said law. And Joe Biden was a guy that used to be very tough on crime. We've mentioned that before. And let's go back in time for a brief moment and listen to Joe Biden talk about what to do with the criminal element. They will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets that society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. Can you believe? That's the same guy, because that's the Joe Biden that was the senator. That is Joe Biden that was the vice president. What happened to Joe? When did he totally turn around on everything he previously said without giving us any reason why? You know, except maybe his brain's mush. But there's a lot to unpack even in that little clip. That is Joe Biden calling the criminals predators of course now today he should be canceled for that because that is obviously racist calling criminals predators because we know what an old white guy means when he says predators he means black guys no doubt about it that's what he would mean now if trump said that that's what they would say but this is joe biden he gets a pass for everything and maybe it's only fair because joe is pretending that there is no border crisis joe's pretending there is no crisis with your gas prices going up astronomically joe's pretending there is no crisis when it comes to your groceries going up now the media is just covering for joe pretending there's no crisis going on that joe biden is completely a different person who can't seemingly make a coherent sentence and there's plenty of proof that joe biden i didn't really like what he said most of the time but he was a coherent guy who could make his case without yelling and snapping at reporters and saying, come on, man. But Joe talks about there the criminal element being caused by the neglect of society. And this we're doubling and tripling down on now. Instead of, though, taking those people and wanting to punish them now, because what they're doing was because of the neglect of society. Well, now we let people run amok. You can steal whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. You can slam people in the face with a brick. We're not going to prosecute you. 
a vast majority of the people in the New York state that were rioting and looting that were arrested, not going to be charged. Those cases have, I think, 80, 90 percent have been dropped. So being held responsible for crimes? No. Do you know what happens when you don't hold people responsible for crimes? They're able to commit them over and over and over. Most people, because it went really viral, saw the video of the guy on his BMX bike or whatever it was going into the pharmacy with a black trash bag, filling it up with hair products and going right back out, you know, like $950 worth. And then you found out how many times he's been arrested for theft, like on a daily basis. And yeah, they just kept releasing them. What happens when you do not prosecute crimes? People continue to commit crimes. But Joe said these are predators. That's more than just uh, an element that needs a little bit of TLC. Predators are causing damage to our society, whether it's constantly robbing stores to the point that they close and exit those neighborhoods, hurting the poor people that live in those neighborhoods, whether it's the predators that are slamming people in the face in New York and never being prosecuted because, you know, why would we want to prosecute that? You know, the people that are defecating on the streets of San Francisco, the rampant drug use that's going on on the streets of San Francisco. No, we never want to prosecute anything. And then we wonder why crimes continue to go up at an alarming pace. But beyond calling these people predators, Joe Biden from the past also said they were beyond the pale. And he repeated that twice. And it was a phrase that I've heard, but I wasn't really familiar with where it came from or exactly how this would be defined. So I looked that up and behind the pale means outside the bounds of morality, good behavior or judgment. Unacceptable. So when he says that these criminals are predators who are beyond the pale. That means they are so far gone that they are never going to be upstanding members of the society, of the community. So what do you do then with people that are beyond the pale? Back then, Joe was very clear. You lock them up. You lock them up to protect your family, my family, everybody that's a law abiding citizen must be protected from the people committing the crimes. This is what previous Joe says. Current Joe's going to tell you these people are just committing the crimes because they're victims and guns are the problem, not people. Guns, not people. And I see the people that are pushing for more and more gun laws are the ones that go, oh, you know, all the people that end up killing people because a gun is just so easy for them they have one and then maybe they would have calmed down if they didn't have a gun and the gun made them be violent well you know people run people over with cars too it's a much easier way to kill somebody is to run them over with a car than to shoot them with a gun i mean you got a much bigger vehicle much smaller person bullets miss a lot cars you can run people over and i know people this has happened too one of my buddies one of his buddies that owned a plumbing business 
uh, screwed over an employee, I guess, or at least the employee thought he was screwed over. The employee waited for him to exit a building and he ran him down. Caused massive amounts of damage. It was really surprised he didn't kill him. He died kind of shortly after that due to complications of all of it. But if you're going to go the route of we have to get rid of every last thing that people might be able to use when they get mad to commit violence. Well, then look at the UK and what has gone on with knives. Let's look at motor vehicles because you can pretty easily run somebody over if you want to. Let's talk about baseball bats. Hey, hey, MLB, we'd have to get rid of you because those bats are very easy to use to beat somebody to a pulp. I mean, let's forget the fact that you could just pull a leg off a table or a chair, which means I guess we got to get rid of tables and chairs as well because those could be used as violent tools. You know, previous Joe would have uh, stood up to all of this current cancel culture mentality he would have stood up to the people who are like no these people that are committing these crimes they're just victims no previous joe biden would not put up with this crap the current joe biden though brain full of mush doesn't know where he is can't really make a coherent statement cannot speak with anything in his voice that sounds like energy you notice that now from joe it's all like yeah, man, what we got to do is we got to we got to really take care of this gun problem. It's not like Bill Clinton there. I mean, but you get the, the idea, I think. Joe Biden ending that clip. I mean, I thought it was an interesting thing, too, which is why I left it in there, which was the problem is we don't know how to rehabilitate these people back into society. And this is some place that some money should be spent that people should be looking into the different types of treatment. Of course, people have to want treatment in order for treatment to work and for people to get treatment. Same thing when people go down the rabbit hole into drug addiction or alcohol addiction or any addiction, really. You have to want help in order to get it. But I think that there should be something done some research into i mean if you're going to spend money anywhere it would be taking the people that have committed low level offenses and try to get them to the point to where they know that they cannot do that and they if they want to live in the society and not be locked up because there's no reason to be a nation of laws if you're going to let people break the law and you're never going to have a society where people are safe when you don't enforce the law. It's very simple, Joe. I wish your brain was not Ovaltine at this point and you could understand that. I mean, let's not forget Vice President Kamala Harris, who was also once very, very, very tough on crime, was one of the people bailing the rioters and looters out in Minneapolis after the george floyd incident so i don't know we have a president and a vice president who are completely against prosecuting criminals enforcing the law of the land but they don't want to enforce the law of the land and joe's gonna get out there tonight and tell us why we need more laws to take care of the gun problem joe it's not a gun problem it is a criminal problem and until people understand that, it is never 
going to be fixed. A vast majority of the gun crimes in Chicago are committed with guns that were not legally purchased. Joe's going to go after the gun sellers. And the reality is that's going to do nothing. And the people that are pulling Joe's strings know it's not going to do anything. But they're going to let Joe say it. And it's going to sound good. And they're going to make some sound bites. And it's going to be just like the G7 where people were like, hey, Joe Biden really slapped down that Vladimir Putin, didn't he? (laughs) No, 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 he did not. But, you know, the mainstream media, they're covering for Joe. They're asking him what his favorite ice cream is. And that's about all. When you look at Biden's schedule, doesn't really do much. Makes an appearance or so a day. I wish he'd go out and golf. At least do something. Keep the brain going. Joe, can you do a little Sudoku, maybe? Crossword puzzle? Anybody ask Joe what century it is? Ask Joe who's president. I'm curious if he knows. He might not know. I bet he would say Kamala Harris. Just a guess. Just a guess. But tune in to Joe tonight and uh, let me know if I was right or wrong about the predictions here. And uh, I'm sure we'll have something to cover next week on this as well. But the Major League Baseball story is one that is a long time coming. And this is Baseball Reference, a website that has no affiliation with Major League Baseball. And it's a really good website when it comes to stats and things like that. They're taking the forefront on this, but Major League Baseball said they are going to be doing this as well. And that is they are finally incorporating the stats of the Negro League players into the Major League stat books, which is an excellent thing because the Negro League players were often the best players of the time. And the stats, I mean, again, like with the crime stats, you have to be able to understand them because the Negro Leagues did not play as many games. They played a bunch of barnstorming games, which were exhibition games. They weren't as tightly controlled. So there's some leeway that needs to be made, but people will finally be able to get an idea how these players stacked up against the best players of the past. And I thought it was interesting to be able to talk about this today because this is episode 142 of the Random Thoughts podcast. 42, the number that Jackie Robinson wore when he broke into the major leagues and changed the course of the game, took a lot of abuse, and he definitely had a lot more restraint than I would have. I mean, he was having racial epitaphs and slurs thrown at him, and he acted with grace. You know, unlike me, who an Amazon package doesn't show up, and I'm like, ah, you sons of... But, you know, I'm a podcaster, so that's a little bit different. But I remember growing up getting a game called All-Star Baseball, which baseball is one of those games that is really based upon stats. And for years, people have been trying to figure out the best way to recreate this in a way where people can have a you know board game head to head. You have your team. I have my team. You put them together. You see who would win. 
And there have been some very intricate games that had all sorts of different dice that you would roll and then different charts that you would look at. And those are cool. I always enjoyed those. You know, different ballparks had different effects. So maybe a home run in one wasn't a home run in the other. But one of the first such games that I got as a kid was All Star Baseball. And what this had was little round discs that slipped into a spinner. And each of these little discs had numbers on them, which had areas that were either large or small. And in this game, it was a little simplistic again, because it didn't matter what pitcher was pitching. It all went on the stats of the hitter, because that was the little thing you put in and you knocked the little thing around and it spun around and whatever number it would land on would determine what the outcome was of that at bat. And I remember the all-star baseball version I got had a bunch of the Negro League all-stars represented on these cards. And I remember looking at the card of Josh Gibson and going, dude, this guy must have hit a lot of home runs because the area that had the number one was for a home run. It was right at the top of the card. The bigger that was, the more of a chance that player was going to hit a home run when you spun the spinner. And Josh Gibson had a huge, huge number one. And, you know, bigger than Babe Ruth, I think. It was very close. And it was that game that really started me being interested in the players that came before, you know, before baseball was pretty much ruined by the way Major League Baseball does things now. But it's nice that these guys that toiled in the Negro Leagues are going to start getting some recognition. And the main reason why it's insane that these things haven't been integrated before is the fact that you look at a lot of the stats and you notice, I mean, again, I understand the Negro Leagues played less games and there's an effect, but a lot of these players, I would dare say a vast majority of them, when they got to the major leagues, their stats actually got better, meaning that their average went up when they got to the major leagues from the Negro Leagues, which tells you, you know, the pitching was probably better in the Negro Leagues. The fielding was probably better. The hitting was probably better. And it is long past time for those guys to get some recognition. I don't know if this will do anything with the Hall of Fame ignoring guys like Orestes Mini Minoso, a Chicago Southside legend that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But we can only hope one step at a time. Get Minnie in the Hall of Fame. Until he's there, I don't really care, which I have probably mentioned a few times on this podcast before why I don't really long to go to Cooperstown to check out that Hall of Fame. I have not been. I am way more interested in going down into the Kansas City area where the Negro Leagues Hall of Fame is because I am way more interested in that history than I am what is going on in Cooperstown, which is why, and we can bring this right back to Amazon. Every time I order something on Amazon and it's way too much, you go to smile.amazon.com and you can set a charity that'll get a percentage every time you buy something. And my charity is the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And I think it is a worthy cause and much more worthy of the support of the fan base than that Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. But hey, I'm just a podcaster. 
I work on the value for value model, which means I put these shows out there. They're not behind any paywall. You don't have to do anything except enjoy them. But we ask if you got value out of any of the shows you've listened to here to send some value back to us in the monetary sense or the crypto sense, which is kind of monetary. People may argue that, but you can go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. Click the donate button for a one-time or monthly donation via PayPal, where you can use your favorite credit card or your PayPal account. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route. Setting that up through your bank's online bill pay is awesome because then no percentage goes to any middleman. Your bank will foot the cost for you to send it in the mail. They'll write the check. They'll send it out. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay anything. Even for smaller amounts, a dollar, two dollar, your bank will handle the fees for you to send that out to the P.O. Box address. It's a great option to go if you'd like to do that. Or you can use one of the QR codes or cryptocurrency wallet addresses if you want to donate via the crypto route. If you do, we need to update those wallets. So we use the same wallet for that and for Grumpy Old Ben. So we ask if you do donate to Random Thoughts via crypto to send me an email, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com and let me know that it is for the Random Thoughts podcast. You don't have to identify yourself. You can use a fake email. You can do whatever you want. It's all just for bookkeeping on our side. It would be greatly appreciated, as is the support we have gotten from everybody over the last 142 shows. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you donating to the show, supporting us, keeping the microphone sounding good, the web hosting up, and all that other good stuff. With that said, we will be back next Wednesday to do this all yet again. I hope you'll join me. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.